Hello, welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast, episode five. Um, and this podcast is sponsored by NK Active and Grosvenor Birch. So, Lewis, this month is going to be just a, a nice little catch up between us two. Talk me through what, what have you been up to this month? Blimey, um, if I can remember, there's been so much going on actually this month. It's just been one of those crazy months just ups and downs and ups and downs and uh you you finally get focused on something and then you think right that's it i've planned planned my week and and this is great i finally got some free capacity and then all of a sudden you've got uh mr and mrs client email uh got a referral for you which is lovely you know absolutely lovely but you think oh planned my week <laughs> now I've got things to do to to, to show how I'm reactive yeah. um what have I been doing um all sorts loads going on at home uh twins as the listeners may or may not know had twins in December to go along with a, a three and a half year old toddler who you know, I've just got discipline <laughs> problems and back chats um we went and watched Paw Patrol film yesterday which yeah is incredible yeah so emotional is it yeah my, my daughters, both my daughters, my oldest is the um, same age as your eldest, mm. and then my youngest, 18 months, they both love Paw Patrol. Wow, who'd have thought on the Health and Wealth podcast <laughs> we'd be chatting about Paw Patrol? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, it was one of those things, because we're going to touch on it later on, because you've been away, haven't you? Um, yeah. And, and we're going to talk about, almost uh, to, to sort of loop into it, but treating yourself as a director as a member of staff which sounds a bit weird but it's really really frequent that directors of businesses they think oh I've got to control everything uh, I've got to manage this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this um, and the instance is always holiday and you think well here's the staff holiday calendar here you go mem- lovely members of staff what days off would you like uh, and directors uh, you know normally we, we just don't do it you think oh you get the freedom I can take a holiday when I like but then we never do. But actually, Nick, you have taken a holiday, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I managed to take best part of two weeks off. And I can't remember. The last time I had any time off uh, was Christmas. But that was just sort of the natural break anyway that everyone has. But apart from that, I, this was sort of the first time. Because the clinic, we, we opened the clinic six months before the pandemic hit. And yes, we had a few days away um, in that brief spell last Easter but not all the team were back some were still on furlough some were back and clinic was very much up and down at that time but this is the first time where everyone is back in working and I just I said that's it I just basically down tools and left down tools and had the best part of two weeks off and didn't answer any work emails wow you didn't answer any emails didn't answer any email I got to the point where it was, I was just like getting super stressed and just sort of nearly reaching that burnout point as mm. it were. And it's difficult, isn't it? When you're a small business, a new business in a pandemic, you're, you're filled with all that emotion and fear of, oh my God, if I'm not controlling everything, what's going to happen? And then it's like, what happens if I get some time off? Um, everything's just going to go to pot. But luckily we've put the systems and procedures in place and I've got a fabulous team here and it was it was great. There were some staff sicknesses that um, the practice manager, Judy, just dealt with and and whatnot and didn't need to bother me while I was away. And I come back and the building was still standing, hadn't burnt down or anything <laughs> on those lines. And it, it, it was really refreshing just to take some time off. And obviously, we decided to stay within 
within the UK. Uh, we went over to Kent, which was lovely. We normally go down to Cornwall. We normally go west, but we went east. Um, and it was absolutely beautiful, especially for the kids. So much for my two little ones just to run around. We were out like from 9am till 6pm every day, mostly covering like 18,000 steps <laughs> a day. And it was just fabulous. That doesn't surprise me with you. No. And the thing was, it take me, made me realise was two things. One you've touched on already is that as a director, my team have their annual leave allowance and I encourage to use them to use it all. However, for me, I sort of don't, I don't listen to my own advice in that I don't take, I don't use, I don't have my own annual leave allowance. Well, I, it's got me thinking, no, I should set myself a leave allowance and I should make sure I use it. And if I don't use it, I lose it because that's, that's the, that's the way it works for the, the staff, works, isn't it? Yeah. Where it works for the team. But it also made me realize that having the odd day off here and there doesn't work. It took me most probably three to five days to unwind, relax, switch off and sort of recharge as it were. So taking the odd day off here and there is basically just in my eyes, firefighting, not sort of having that proper time off. And it was, it was really nice to come back nice and sort of refreshed and, and eager to go. Yes. You come back to a million and one emails. Um, but Julie's got access to my emails and I've got a, a pretty nasty policy that if I haven't responded in two weeks, I tell people to chase me because if I haven't responded in two weeks, I just tend to click delete, delete, delete. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of emails that are deleted. But you know, as, as a company director, even with spam filters and yeah. whatnot on, and even unsubscribing to mailing lists, you still get loads of emails. Oh, I, as a friend, a friend of mine and I were talking about this the other day. Do you get the? Do you get the? We're going off topic here, but it's just us today. Who cares? Yeah. You get these emails where it's um, somebody in a constant loop of replying to their own emails, where it says. Uh, dear Lewis just checking did you see my below email be great to get something in the diary to talk about this and then next week you get the same email from the same person that then is looped onto the next one just just seeing if you got my chaser be great to get something in the diary so I got that and then I got one I hadn't received before which was oh hi Nick I've just realised that you haven't responded and I've just realised the reason you haven't responded is because you're maybe not the right person to speak to please can you put me in touch with the member of your team who is the (laughs) right person to make a decision i'm just like these are just like cold emails because there, there is like unless there's unless there's a position higher than director in a company <laughs> I, I don't know about and there's someone else <laughs> in my team who takes more responsibility than i do um there's no one else for me to send it on to well you've uh, been on holiday for two weeks so there's definitely someone <laughs> if the responsibility yeah, um, no, you, you're right though and uh, it's always bugged me that because um why can't that person do an internet search. You know, I'd, I'd hate to be in sales and we'll get on to corporate life later because I've got something to say about corporate life as well. But why can't that person do a Google search of your business or any business that they're looking to email, work out the structure, work out who's there in the office uh, and, and get a name of somebody or an email address and, and then just phone, you know, phone yeah. as if they were phoning up to book an appointment and just say look I'm not actually I'm not looking to book an appointment it'd be great if somebody could hear me out if I would like to talk about this and when you get a it's not really for us you know just take that and move on don't you know people that then bug you about it as well I anyway bane of my life I'm going off <laughs> so anything else you've been up to um what else have I been up to lots going on as I said lots going on at home got skip delivered today that I've got to go and do a load of gardening which is awful because I haven't got the tools um but I tried to find a gardener 
and um, finally got someone to come round after a couple of weeks to just look around the garden and, and sort of quote to, for the work to be yeah. done uh, and said they wouldn't be able to get her until sort of like late September, early October anyway. And I thought, well, by then it's going to be an absolute jungle, so I might as well sort of get in there and hack it out myself. Um, but that just seems to be the way of the world at the moment. It, it just everyone is rammed busy, or it feels that way yeah. anyway, no matter who you talk to in what, uh, industry, what profession, whether it's services or goods, um, you know, prices are sky high of everything, uh, and people just haven't got the time. So it just feels like every everyone's busy, and and you can't do a lot. So yeah, been been busy at home, but then busy with work as well. And you know, I've really got to take that advice about taking time. I think the last time um, I had a proper holiday was with Maxi when she was pregnant with. With Harrison. With Harrison? Yeah. So that was what? This is before the twins. Four, yeah. So that was four, probably over four years ago now. And then I just, uh, same as you, I, I, if I take a day off, which which Max says, you've got to take, can you take a day off? You know, do this, do that. Um, I'm terrible. I'll sit there and I'll, sit, I'll read my emails. I'll reply to emails. I can't help it. And I know all the advice out there from people is um, set your boundaries early you know, don't reply to emails at certain times and don't do this. But, you know, I enjoy my work. So if I can um, be G'd up and a little bit positive because a client's emailed about something um, while I'm on a day off, I'll be like, oh, this is great. This is a chance for me to um, prove my worth and prove my knowledge. Um, and I'm having a day off, but I'm not really doing anything. So let me just reply real quick. And then, you know, it's not it's not good. I need to, um, need to get better. You definitely do need to take some... <laughs> take some time off and you've got a fantastic team as well where they can just they can deal with with everything they well. do and it, they keep saying that to me as well they they said you know um when i had covid what was it last last well over a month ago you, now. you're not classing that as time off you're ill <laughs> well that, and, uh, yeah but the point yeah that's that's fair enough but maxi classed it as time off anyway but um time off from looking after the kids which means yeah. i've got more time to look after them now um, yeah, Charlotte and Claire both said to me, we were fine, don't worry. There was nothing we needed you for, and if we did, we would have phoned you. So yeah, I'm definitely more relaxed about it now. Um, but it's, it is just sort of finding the right time to, to take a break, and you know, it's, it's difficult with the twins being still so young. Um, but I think when they're a little bit older, sure, we'll, we'll look to take a break, whether it's camping somewhere um, or, or abroad, yeah. I don't know yet. We'll, we'll see. Um, definitely. So we were going to talk about some subjects since you and I are the guests yes. today. Um, what are you going to talk to us about in terms of what it is that is actually your profession, Nick? Yeah, so we've been working on something recently that we basically, we want to try and build a, a database to work out how, what, are, what is the average person's strengths, physical strengths and areas that they need to work on. So then when we then approach people to help improve uh, and reduce sick rates in the workplace and improve productivity by staff being fitter and stronger and just being generally more active we got some baseline to say this is where people people should be so at the moment we're asking people so if you're listening to this and you want to come have some strength and flexibility testing done then please do get in touch and we can get you booked in and and i can be a positive advocate for that because yeah. i did it and i found it fascinating and dave here is is 
great. Okay, he's, he's got some terrible jokes. But <laughs> his, his cheese jokes are <laughs> awful. The scary thing is, his jokes are awful. But when he sat there and he comes in and he's got this aura about him, he's, he's like a cheeky chappy and he's got this aura that he comes in, he says this joke, he's also bubbly. I'm always the first one to smile and I'm always the first <laughs> one to get his jokes. So I don't know what that says about my level of humour. I, I never get the jokes. It goes right over the top of my head like because Charlie. he's stone dry about it. He is. He can deliver them without breaking a smile or in, and just <laughs> deliver that punchline and just walk off. And a lot of the time, he'll be sat there and he'll be stood there telling the joke. I, I'd get it. I'd, I'd laugh at him, acknowledge that I've got it. Charlie will be sat there scratching her head and just sort of like, and then it's to a point of like five minutes later, she still hasn't got it. And we have to sit there and explain um, to her. But no, so what we want to try and achieve is to see actually, can we start mapping people's strengths and where, where, where do they sit? So we can then, you can come in, we can then benchmark it against the team and say, this is where we think you need to, to be. And then if give you then areas that you need to improve on, so then go away and do that. But to do that, we need a data set to begin with. So mm. we're we're getting quite a few people in. It's most probably going to take Dave a close to a hundred hours worth of testing to yeah, start getting the numbers to actually start meaning something that actually have a bit of weight um, behind them. But the fan the feedback from it has been sort of fantastic in that people are really sort of really interested in the concept of what we're we're trying to do here because if someone's got an injury we know where we can target we know the areas we need to work on so we'll do the strength testing you're currently injured so we know that area is going to have reduced strength and then we can then map out where you need to be but then if we sort of that the the sort of the ethos of this podcast is trying to get people to be more proactive rather than reactive and that's the ethos of both our businesses anyway so we were sort of thinking, well, it's great treating people when they're injured, but can we do anything to try and help reduce the risk of that injury happening in, in the first place? Or, the old... or convince people that they're behind the curve, which is what you're trying yeah. to do there. And it? we've seen a lot of this starting to happen. I was chatting to, um, I still keep in contact um, with the lads from uni. And we mostly speak to them three, four times a day on WhatsApp. And we were just chatting about general health and fitness stuff. And one of them was sort of saying that his 5K times drops by about five, it's increased by about five minutes during this pandemic because it's that working from home environment. And I was speaking to another patient during the week and they're sort of saying when they're working from home, they may be only walking one to 2,000 steps a day, whereas the commuting in London, they'd easily cover 12, 15,000 from mm. walking from the tube, walking around from the office to walking upstairs, get a cup of tea, coffee, walk out, or get some lunch. And it's really easy to forget that all adds up mm. and that made me think about when i'm at the clinic i'll look down i'll easily walk up 40 flights of stairs in a day up and down stairs i'll easily cover eight ten thousand steps just walking around the clinic in the day when i'm working from the office at home i look and i'm like actually it's only like two thousand two thousand mm. steps and i'm like wow that is you can sort of see how that deconditioning can set in and it's the old analogy of use it or lose it there was a fabulous paper years ago it is quite old i want to say quite old. i think it's under seven years old um that basically they took three mri scans of three male thighs and basically they got a 30 year old around a 30 year old 40 year old athlete 
a 70-year-old triathlete and a 74-year-old who sat around and didn't do much. And these three chaps, to look at them, they're all the same size and build, same weight, rough rate, weight range. But then you then looked at the MRI scans. And what was really interesting is that you couldn't tell the difference between the 30, 40-year-old triathlete and the 70-year-old triathlete. What you looked at was the 74-year-old triathlete who, who, I meant the 74-year-old chap who wasn't doing anything, even though his, his thighs looked the same size, inside there was a lot of what we call adipose tissue, a.k.a. sort of fat and re- reduction in muscle mass. Mm. So that really brings home true in that use it or lose it scenario. And that's the same with us people deconditioning at work. And these are the things that we like. I've said, I said it from day one and we're seeing it and we're still seeing it now that the majority of injuries we see in clinic at the moment are related to massive change in activity levels. And I sort of said at the beginning of the pandemic that we would start to see this. And that's what we are seeing now. Yeah, and I can see that's going to continue. So I was at uh, I was at a wedding on Sunday, and a, and a good friend through through hockey, um, he and I were having a chat. So he's an accountant with Mazars. Um, that's not going to reveal his identity, but uh, you know, nice bloke knows his stuff. And he was saying how. Uh, they aren't being encouraged to go back to the office. You know, I think he said his duty is to go back two days a week, something like that. Um, so he's doing n- nowhere near as much travel. And, um, you know, he's fortunate that he's got an office at home so he can still work in a good environment. But he was saying that uh, because Mazars also do the mindfulness stuff, that he knows that because he's working at home in his office... When he finishes work and he's not got the travel or the stressful environment, he knows he now needs to go out and do something after work uh, rather than um, he'd be up and about at Mazars and he'd be walking here, walking there, seeing clients there, traveling, walk, you know, you're moving around a lot, even in a big office like that. Um, whereas at home he sits down, he does his work, he might go and get a drink. So he knows he needs to go out after he finishes work as opposed to what you normally do, which is go to the office, walk around all day, get home, go oh, what yeah. a difficult day and just slump into your chair. Um, not everyone is going to be like that and not everyone's going to have that mindfulness coaching that Mazar's put on to encourage their members of staff to do that. Um, and I, I think you've got another statistic, haven't you, which is quite interesting about if somebody has a fall when they're older. Oh, yeah, the fall's rate, And we'll come on to that, but I think in a minute, but I think you raise a great point there about that, the health and well-being from working from home yes it can save companies a lot of money in that you may have to they may be able to sell property and reduce their overhead and employees may be able to work harder and for longer because they haven't got say if they're commuting to london from hampshire that's right that's four or five hours a day saved straight away Mm. so it could be that then they think well i've got more time on my hand but then it is then just sat on your own and I, I think it was Karen Bray I think something popped up on LinkedIn or Facebook or something along those lines and I think it was Karen Brady sort of reachly spoke about how actually sort of relationships romances and social activities are built within the workplace mm. and you sit and you think actually no especially for the younger generation that is definitely definitely the case imagine if you were on a graduate scheme in a corporate company and you've moved out and you live on your own and your workplace is most probably one of the social, most social environments mm. that you'll go to and you'll make new friends and colleagues and whatnot. And that's all been taken away. Mm. So I think there has to be that 
that balance between working from home and working in the office and if you are working from home making sure there's the mindfulness because i yeah. for me when i work from home i will sit there in front of a computer most of the day working on the business um, trying to develop new things trying to improve the service etc but i make sure that the one thing that does not move in my diary is either my peloton session or my run mm. because it can be get so easy to fall into that trap of oh, i'll just miss it and i'll and then before you know it, you've missed it for three, four times on the trot and you're just mm -hmm. not doing anything. And I know that I just, for me, I, I, my performance just drops off. Yeah, same, same for me, but I, I'm, I'm going to go off on a tangent again here, but who cares? Um, I, had my co I finally got my first COVID jab yeah. um, at the tail end of last week. And the, the thing that was really, really sad and gave me some perspective um, because I know I'm guilty of this sometimes, is after you get your COVID jab, you have to sit for the 15 minutes observations, don't you? Yeah. So I walk into this tent and I thought, um, I've had a couple of busy days actually. Do you know what? I'm just going to not look at my phone. I'm just going to have 15 minutes where I just look around and just breathe, control my breathing um, and just look around and, and just be with my thoughts for, for a second. And... Um, I know that sounds very hippie, but sometimes you, you need that sort of thing. And anyway, I look around this tent um, and I count 19 people. And as people come and go, every single person that comes in sits down. And as they're sitting down, they reach their pocket, they pull their phone out. And they sit there for 15 minutes just looking at their phone. Whether it was a chap that was watching the football warm-up, there was a girl that was texting, there was blokes doing their emails... In front of me were four blokes, um, completely diverse. If, if, if the BBC were filming an advert, it was these four blokes. I know that sounds horrible, but it was these four blokes. All four of them sat glued to their phone, head down, neck down, uh, didn't look around once. Um, and I just thought, that's so sad. And I look over and there's this, um, there's this old dear who's a volunteer there. So obviously she's not going to be on her phone. But she kept, her and I kept glancing at each other, catching eye contact. And it was like, although she was the other end of the tent, she knew I was looking at her and, and she was looking at me thinking, have you seen all these people here on their phones? And it just made me think, it's really sad state. I and mean, you were talking about being social at work. And that is one of the only places now that I can think of, unless you can think of any others, where people don't look at their phones and they just get to know new people. Yeah. I sort of walked into that tent and I thought, do you know what? It'd be really interesting if right now I just said, have you lot seen each other? And just got them to just look up away from their phones and try to provoke some sort of conversation. Because um, the only place you ever really do that now is when you're in a bar drinking and yeah. people get, and, and they say, oh, let me buy a drink. Who are you? And Because every, every time you go out and you're by yourself now, people just immediately go to this safety comfort blanket. They do. And it, the horrifying thing is when for iPhone users, if you, if you use an iPhone, if you get that stat that pops up at the end, at the beginning of the week that you've been on your phone for average X number of hours per day, and you're like, wow, that is, that is, that's horrifying. Which is fine if you work from your phone, because yeah. that's, you know, you'd be in front of a computer or a, a screen. But yeah, but when it's Instagram four hours a day or you know whatsapp yeah. four hours a day yeah but going back to what you said about the fools yeah yes, the fools yeah. is um again it, it's not 
I make it all sound doom and gloom, don't I? But, the but it's really interesting. And I've used this with lots of people and everyone I tell goes, wow, really? Yeah. Shortens life so expectancy think, that much? Yeah, so I think it is over the age of 60 or 65. Uh, I can't remember. It's one of those two numbers. I'll uh, just pick one. Let's go uh, over the age of, let's go over the age of 60. Yeah. Um, in the UK, if you have a fall that requires sort of medical attention, as it were, so let's call it hospital treatment, for example, unfortunately 50% of those people won't be here five years down the line. That's crazy statistic. And it's something like 38% of the falls are, are preventable. And to prevent them, you don't need to do much. It's just maybe 15, 20 minutes worth of strength or balance-based exercises three times a week. And that is horrific. I, 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 I've maintained that we're in a bad, and we're hopefully coming out of a pandemic area now. I think um, we've got a whole bigger fish to fry when it comes to the population as we get older and fools and everything on those lines as we get older. And it's something that I, I a lot of our patients here will speak to us about. And we'll say, we'll say, if we remember our, our relatives that are, take my father-in-law, in, for example, I think he's 70 now. Um, I only say that because you'd look at him, you wouldn't say he's 70. He's like, been active his whole life he will be yesterday we were out um in one of our local um woods near us going out my alexandra my eldest was like granddad chase me chase me and he had like a seven-year-old chasing my three and a half (laughs) for about five six hundred meters around through some woodland up and down stairs in and out of streams and yeah it's when you look at them and my nan for example still swims two three miles a week but when you look at their medical history, they're all quite still fit and well. They take hardly any any medication, if mm. none at all. And then you look at their, what they've done through their whole life. They've always been active, active jobs, mm. or they've been active playing sport and, and whatnot. And I know I harp on about the importance of leading an active life, but it is so, so important. And I think especially when, when we're getting older and we've, going back to sort of your expertise, the wealth side of things, you then you worked your backside off all your life. You built up some wealth and you want to then be able to enjoy it. Well, if you haven't got, it sounds really corny. If you haven't got your health, then you can't enjoy it in Mm. in the first place. And that's Mm. sort of how this podcast came about. about. And it is one, it is a horrifying stat. Um, And, but it's a stat that we can do something about. And the answer isn't take, isn't taking medication, isn't doing, it's doing the simple things like just being more active. And we see it all the time of our, our patients here when they go through our active aging program, they all come back and even the family members say they're more confident on their feet. They're doing more around the house. They feel like they haven't got that fear of, of falling. And um, the NHS can be fabulous, but sometimes the NHS won't sort of help out until that fall has is, is happened. Yeah. And I, it's just not a dig at the NHS at all because um, I've had, fat, my mum, for example, she wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for the NHS. And it is a it is an amazing service, but there are some things where it just hasn't got the capacity to help. And that's no one's fault. That's just the system. Yeah, it's limitations in, yeah. in funding, isn't it? And the capacity of, of having enough people to deal with it. Um, but, but you're right, you use the word there, confidence, and that's exactly it, and, and attitude. And, and you said about wealth, and the funny thing with, with you know, most of the people that, that we see um, have built businesses or been very, you know, high earners, 
and and the thing is is that they enjoy their work and they're passionate about it they've got the right attitude they're you know confident about what they do and their their ability um and and so when they get to those elderly ages you know way beyond 60 the stat that you're talking about with falls we're talking 70s 80s even some of our clients mm. in their 90s have got such positive outlook um that you just don't expect them to be that age you, you think there's no way you're 80 you you, yeah. you you've got such a positive outlook and you're so it's infusing to be around them that you just think, no, there's no way you're that age. You're, not that, you're that age. But confidence is the big thing. So anyone that you know, we're saying that statistic about having a fall. If if somebody falls when they're sixty, and and you need medical attention, yeah. your life expectancy is you fifty percent chance to make it another five years. Yeah. And 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 what I should imagine happens. I'm probably speaking for you here, Nick, but people then regress. And think, oh God, I've had a fall. I can't get up off my chair because if yeah. I fall again, I might not be here. And actually, what you've got to do is get up, get active, correct, build on that strength, yes, so that it doesn't happen again, and that you you don't yeah. become one of those it's statistics. Not the, it's not the the fall that kills you directly. It's the impact of that fall, as you mm -hmm. say. People become frail. Yeah. Um. They become fearful. They become less active so then that increases their risk of developing things like alzheimer's dementia um heart problems and everything on those lines it'll be those things that unfortunately will end your life not the fall but the fall was the catalyst it started that whole that whole process mm. and you talk about someone in their 80s we've actually got someone who's 84 coming to do the um strength test oh great <laughs> and it's sort of like um i hope my record's not <laughs> at, at trouble i'm still that anomaly at the top at the moment right this is where we'll find you'll get an 84 year old can lift more weight than you <laughs> <laughs> um but talking about eight uh, the older generation lifting lifting weights is there was a study done in new zealand that actually they got people of that elder generation to start deadlifting and lifting heavy weights and they actually reversed the osteoporotic process so they reversed their, their brittle bones and just by lifting more weights and it, there is especially there is a lot of stigma attached around lifting weights and there's a lot of education there's a lot of myths out there around about people that you're going to become chunky and built and yeah. Sarah, Sarah was saying this so so my sister and, and business partner um she was saying this when we were doing that with Dave she said I never used to do weights I just thought I'd get all big and chunky and it's the opposite isn't it it's definition it's yeah. internal strength if you want to become big and chunky and really muscular you've got to train so much and you've got to eat, eat so much, much yeah. food like you'll look at some of these professional weightlifters, they'll be trying to consume 10,000 calories in the day. Yeah, at awkward times of and the day, they just always got to eat. That sounds fantastic. Oh, I can sit there and I can eat loads of food. Not that I'm saying anyone try it, but just trying to consume 10,000 calories in a day is hard work. Of the right foods, because yeah. it's not going to Domino's and having a thousand calorie pizza, is it? It's you've got to have... But roast chicken, even if proteins. Took, I don't know what doesn't say fifteen hundred, two thousand calories in the pizza. Maybe even trying to eat five of those in a day, <laughs> like that's just uh, it's crazy. crazy. It's it's not it's not easy. And yeah, there is a lot of misconceptions around strength training. There's a lot of people that have, they say they think they do strength training and they'll do yoga and Pilates, which is fabulous. But that's not 
strength training in its true essence as of what strength training is. Mm. And you'll get a lot of people who are, say, nervous around that because of preconceptions or what they've read on the internet. And there's a lot of myth-busting to do, and there's a lot of education to be done around that subject because we know there's more and more evidence coming out that it's just such an important part of everyone's life. And it's, it's most probably one of the most common things that we do is everyone gets their majority of people that come here will get their own strength rehabilitation program and educated on how they can then do that themselves going forward. Because it's one thing of, okay, I'll do it for six, eight weeks, 12, 15 weeks, whatever. Great. But then if you don't continue doing something on a regular basis, you'll just decondition. The body's very good at doing the bare minimum, what it needs to do to keep on going. So if you don't put that stimulus through it, it will turn around and say, we don't need this anymore. So Mm. we're going to stop. Yeah. It's removing those preconceptions, isn't it? You know, in, finance well it's the same thing so I had a lady come to me uh, the other day and said oh well told not don't trust pensions they they're awful um and and that used to almost be the case you know people had these pensions that died with them you know that doesn't have to be the case anymore and it's you wouldn't almost know that unless you came and spoke to me or, or did enough research on the internet sort of thing. It's the same same thing. You know, mum doing the weights with, with Dave, um, you know, we're deadlifting on the, I don't know what it's called, the strict term, but the one that you stand inside of. Yeah. Um, and mum saying, I can't lift that. And Dave says, right, you get one side, Lewis, I'll get the other. Lift it up. Right, Elaine, now hold it and just hold it there. Just hold it. And even that is doing the right sort of work. Even if you can't lift it off the floor, it's still building the strength just by holding it and walking around. Well, and there are there are fears and perceptions that I can't do this. And what Dave is very good at, he'll challenge you and show you, you can do it. We had someone who said, I can't lift this because it's going to hurt my back because it's got 10 kilograms written on it. And Dave was like, you can go pick up that bar. And she did. The bar didn't have any weight on it, but that bar weighs 20 kilograms. So it's this, it's amazing what you can, the the brain is an amazing thing and you can teach it, educate it, you can trick it, you can do all sorts kind of things with it. And there's so much to think, I think I can't do this. Mm. Well, actually you, you can do it. And what's the worst that's going to, to happen. And it's all about just constantly pushing yourself. So there was something else that you wanted to, chat about that's been happening sort of in the financial world yeah so there, there, there are there are a couple of things one leads quite nicely on what you just said in things that i can't do um i say i can't do or probably wouldn't be very good at and that's being a financial planner in the corporate world um so one of the things and we, we touch on this at the start of the podcast all the time but one of the things i've been doing recently is talking to clients um who have got inheritance tax issues uh you know quite often that's that's a regular occurrence of when we're talking to clients um they've got more money than they're ever likely to need to spend um because their income is sufficient and so their capital is sort of surplus to requirements unless something uh in an emergency comes up and then even that emergency we try to cater for so more often than not, you know, when, when somebody dies, you, you've got your will, if you, and everyone should have a will, by the way, no matter how old I, you, you are. Uh, the rules of intestacy aren't very good. Um, but anyway, besides the point, you have a will. And what happens is when you die, your estate is valued. Uh, and then of the value of your estate, to keep it very, very simplistic, an element of that can pass on free of inheritance tax. Now, inheritance tax is 40%. So let's just say for a second, you've got £650,000 is what everything that's been valued uh, and 
what you have on death is what's called a nil rate band and that's the amount that can pass on free of inheritance tax and then the rest of it gets taxed to keep it very very simple so 325,000 nil rate of tax what you can do is give that amount away as long as it's a direct gift i nick i'm giving you 325,000 pounds yeah. congratulations i don't have it so it's going to be a debt um i give you that money and then if I die in the next seven years, I've not made my situation any worse because my estate was £650,000 and, and 325000 of it would have been free of inheritance tax. So my estate would have paid 40% on 325000 I've died within seven years and assuming no growth or loss. I've given away 325 to you, so I no longer own that. So when my estate's valued, it's now valued at 325,000. And I've got no nil rate band left. So I've got nothing. My estate doesn't have anything to give away yeah. tax-free because I've already given it to you in the last seven years. Um, so one of the things that I've been doing lately in speaking to these clients is, is sort of saying, look, um, if it's appropriate, because you know it's not always appropriate to give people money, especially larger sums. So if it's appropriate to give money away now... Why not give it away now while you're alive and you get to see the benefit that your money is going to give to the person you're giving it to? Um, and, and that just for some reason has really resonated with people and they think, you know, that's such a good idea. You know, giving money away on death is very cold and clinical. Um, you know, I've been given money from, from a will, my granddad's will, but he also left us and grandma left us money while they were alive. And the money that, that they gave to, to us while we were alive was a much nicer experience. Yes. Because you can go around and see them and thank them and um, show them exactly what their money has helped me to do, which was buy my first home. And so they got to come around and see the house uh, and enjoy that experience. And if they leave it on death, you know, it's just very cold and clinical. Well, <clears throat> and if you're going to leave that person the money anyway, so if their will says, I'm, Nick, I'm going to leave you yeah. £325,000 in my will, why wouldn't I give it to you now and get to see what you do with the money or give you a smaller amount now, see what you do with it, and then decide, do I want to leave you the rest in the will or do I want to give the rest of it to you now? And it's just been really nice. But And, and I'm sure you've got a question on it, but the reason I think that I couldn't, work in a corporate fight and I mean very corporate but it is because in, in essence what I've done is recommend to our clients that they disinvest their money remove it from our um, platform or where it's invested which means our ongoing fees are, are less and I've encouraged them to give that money away and I think a, a, a corporate employer would be like well hang on a minute Lewis yeah. we've just seen that £500,000 has gone off of your book of client business what's gone on have you lost a client what's happened and I go oh no 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 it was appropriate for them to give some money away to their family now and I think there would just be this balance of um, doing the right thing it, to my mind that is the right thing to recommend versus business opportunity and income um, and I know that mum's mum and I have spoken about this because mum's been there you know she she had this exact point when she was at a, a more corporate firm in that there was this sacrifice that was I know the right thing is sort of to do this but actually I'm going to be penalised over somebody else if I do this um, so so that was what I was going to touch on all the things yeah that and that, that's and I think maybe during this pandemic people have realised what actually what matters 
because you say it, it helped buy your house and your grandparents got to see that and come round. It could be family holiday or using things to spend time with people's grandkids. Oh yeah, it does, it, that's the thing. A gift doesn't have to be money. It could no. be that you say, and I said this to, to actually to this particular client, I said, well, why don't you organise a, a big family holiday where you have the, the three children and the six, seven grandchildren? And I said, you know, with this money, you could pay for everyone to go first class. You could stay in the nicest hotel, buy dinner every night. Um, you know, that would be classed as a gift. It doesn't just have to be monetary to, to the people. Yeah, it, it, exactly, and I think it's uh, yeah, it, it's, you can't you can't spend it when you're when you're six foot under, can you? No, no. So it's um, but I just imagine it's only the seven years because then, um, oh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. <coughs> After the seven years, then then that doesn't if they then die at ten years down the line, then that doesn't count towards their. Well, that so that's the great thing. So, and I don't want to get really deep yeah. into inheritance tax plan. Maybe we have a whole other podcast just about inheritance tax. Um, so, effectively, if I gave you that three two five and survived seven years, and my estate was still worth three two five, for example, and I didn't want to pay any inheritance yeah. tax at all, um, I could then give a, a new. 325 away so every time you survive those seven years you get your nil rate band back and that's the that's the big thing so if you were looking to do quite complex inheritance tax planning and there was no issue with giving money away as a direct gift and i say direct because the other way of doing it is putting it into trust but that comes with a whole new set of complexities Uh, if you could give away money every seven years of of the nil rate band and there was no problem in giving that money away that would be what you'd be recommending as long as it wasn't going to affect their standard of living give away the nil rate band seven years give away the nil rate band seven years and and you would just continue to do it because it makes sense to Um, you know you're not making your position any worse and the tax will still occur if you die within those seven years the other one is if you give away more than the nil rate band so if you were trying to do some real drastic savings um, if I gave you 650,000 for example Nick uh, and died within three years four years there's a tapering of the 40 percent so three three two five is just immediate use of your nil rate band Anything in excess of that, if you survive more than three years, it's like 80% of the 40, and then 60% of the 40, 40% of the 40, and so on, until you get to seven years where it's all gone again. Um, But as I said, it gets very, very complex. But there is some real nice, tidy, tax-efficient planning that can be done. But I didn't even realise there was a taper. I thought it was just black and white, seven years, died at three that was the fall. I didn't realise there was that tapering effect from year three to seven. That yeah, as could... as long as you've given away more than the nil rate band. Yeah, yeah okay. as long as you do more than the nil rate band, anything in excess of then gets that tapering. Yeah. If it's less than three two five, you've got to wait seven years. Yeah. 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 Um, so so that was really some of the stuff that's going on the other thing uh, which i'll just touch on briefly but perhaps again we could talk about uh, an, another time is the bubble of everything that's going on at the moment we touched on it very briefly because i was talking about the gardener uh you know yeah. i need a fence doing and the price of wood has gone through the roof i mean it came back down again but it went through the roof so every commodity i think bar gold and silver it is just at an all-time high we've seen stock markets at all-time highs um, you know, currencies and everything you can think of at the moment is, is sort of at a high. And it's where do you put your money? 
um, in a situation like this. And the reason for that is because we're all worried at the moment about inflation. You know, I've said about the prices being yeah. high um, and demand for services is high. Uh, you know, the gardener, the cleaners, uh, you know, builders, tradesmen in general, everyone is jam-packed with work, which means if you want them, you've got to pay a premium to get them and then their prices for the materials are higher than they've ever been. So, you know, it, we're seeing that growth in costs and we're going to feel it in our pocket if wages don't rise with it um, or if you're relying on investments or an income to, you know, to, to cover it. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so perhaps we'll touch on that another time and we'll try and specifically talk about right. inflation. This is where I'd normally thank our guests well, but, thank you, Nick. It's been yeah. a, it's been a pleasure to talk it, about it, statistics. You know, I, I, and I, I I just love when we just have these sort of we have a loose plan, but it just gets off the cuff, and we just have a nice chat, and it just flows really, really well. Well, this is effectively as as we said before we started the podcast, what we'd do anyway. I'd pop round and we'd have yeah. a quick chat, and we'd just talk about all the stuff that's going on. Um, I still got those beers in the fridge. Oh, we'll go have a beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please pop them in the comments below. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I will pop a link in the description uh, for if you want to come and book that testing with us, which is free of charge. Yeah, definitely and do that, by the way. It was really, really uh, just so engaging. Really, really cool. And if you have a topic you want us to discuss, please get in contact and we shall see you next month. See you later. Bye. Bye.